All right. Well, this is the Sunday Sangha for the UK. It's, it's 10 o'clock, I guess, in the morning. What time is it in the UK? 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. All right. Um, and so Drew is asking questions about relaxation. So can you go over your question a little bit more? It wasn't even a question. It was just a surprise that relaxing is so unreasonably effective. And it's not like relaxing as in don't worry. It's more like relaxing as in. Like. Almost, you know, for me, at least my problem is that I wasn't um, relaxed enough. So it's almost like don't worry if you fall asleep. Don't worry. Just try and just 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 drop it all right make sure your body's comfortable make sure the ac is on if you like that make sure you're sitting in a comfy chair your muscles are like dropping so one of the things i learned to do was relax my shoulders and that's been just a thing that i haven't like that used to be a thing that i occasionally got just by accident but now i've learned to do it properly right mm -hmm. um, and so i used to think that if I was alert and vigilant and quick on the draw and I shot down every distraction as soon as it came up, eventually there would be no distractions. But it turns out in my experience that actually being relaxed, getting lost in long distractions, but staying relaxed when you realize it and then coming back. Most of the time it feels like nothing's happening, but sometimes, but sometimes you just drop down into just a few seconds of silence. Mm -hmm. And it's like a silence that I'd never experienced before. And once I got the taste of it, I was like, damn, this is nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. But sometimes, but All sometimes right. before I get to that point, I get bored and then I remember oh, well, pieces in acquired state and then I, I, I try and acquired taste. Sorry. Um, I kind of I had a metaphor. I wanted to check with you, Damarato. It's like you're at the top, top of a hill, an island, your island of your own pile of garbage, right? All right. And you have a bicycle, okay. right? And what you're trying to do is get down to the bottom of the island where there's a beach, right? And this All right, reeks. I'm following the analogy. We use different ones, but. Uh... Yeah, no, I, I just wanted to. This is what I was thinking, right? And like. The island is quite steep, so every time you're going you mean down the pile, of, the pile of garbage is steep. The hill to the garbage yeah, yeah, yeah. is steep. OK, all right. Right. And so it, it, you have to navigate it and sometimes you have to apply the brakes. And in this case, the brake is a little bit of effort so that you stay on track. Right. Okay. Like if you go okay. too fast, you're going to like um, fall off. But if you don't go fast, uh, but if you apply the brakes too much, you're never going to get to the beach because you're going to stop halfway up. Okay. So that's what I was kind of saying is like, you need to apply the brakes occasionally, which is the effort. You only need to do that occasionally so that you're not going too fast hurtling off the side of the island. All right. But if you apply the brakes too much, trying to control too much, you're never going to get to the beach. Now, these brakes <laughs> that you're talking about is yeah. a metaphor. Yeah, yeah. What is the metaphor for? What are these breaks you're talking about? This is the uh, like the, the the effort to put the mind back on track. 
Okay. All right. I understand. Like mind is, and it's it's more like um you're you're still trying to go downhill. So obviously there's no pedaling. Yeah. Right? It's not effort like that. It's more like Oh shit! I am I'm I'm cycling way too fast. I'm about to go over a cliff edge or like run straight into a tree. If I just apply a brake and turn a little, I can keep going downhill nice and safely. All right. And if you do that over and over again, you get a cycle path. All right. I hear the oh shit in there. Yeah. So what you're saying is is that when you're going down into relaxation and peace, you get afraid. Sometimes things come up, right? You know, like the Mahasi truck that you talk about. And you're like, you know what? I just want to avoid that. Like that. Yes. Uh-huh. Or sometimes something like a nice, like, I don't know, a nice tree with lots of fruit comes up. And you get really, like, into that. How do right? you do that? Um, if you look at the, if you, if you, if you get lost in thought about something really pleasant. Okay. Well, um, but then yes, the we can have you run towards a tree. <laughs> yes, we can have thoughts of, of the pleasant. The question would be more um, in line with, are you having thoughts about what you're doing right now, or are you having pleasant thoughts about the girl you saw yesterday? Hello, David. Hi. Yeah, pleasant thoughts of this, the, the unwholesome kind are the ones that I'm trying to avoid. Obviously pleasant, you can enjoy the coasting down, right? Of course, that's the fun part about riding a bike downhill. Mm -hmm. If you're actually paying attention, it can be really fun and you can go really fast. And yeah, about what? Go ahead, Jace. Jace. Yeah, about, about that. Uh, uh... Uh, do you do you guys uh, did experience like when you relax uh, some tension in your body, like some fear, some fear ar arises, or or the body start twitching or something like that? Is that I've normal? <laughs> I've had twitches when I'm restless, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I I've had um, I mean even in the past week. Like all sorts of stuff gets cleaned out of the system. Um, and my understanding is that it's just stuff that was there and it kind of just needed to get out and it got out and then now it's done. Okay. Right. So I woke up a few days ago and I had a really sad dream. So I almost woke up literally crying rather than scared. Right. And then for the next couple of days, I was just feeling really like, like very sensitive and sad. Um, but then it passed after I had a good old cry because it just needed to get at it, right? I just needed to stop getting in the way. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's take the topic today of relaxation in the recognition that the entire process Everything that we're talking about with all of these weird poly words and whether we understand them or not, the whole point is relaxation. From the beginning through the middle to the end. It's all about relaxation. 
Now, in that regard, what that means is, is that along the way, one of the things that we're relaxing is dukkha. Because dukkha is not relaxing. Dissatisfaction is not relaxing, but satisfaction is relaxing. Another point, which is really uh, the key ingredient, is, is that hindrances, whatever hindrances that they are, are not relaxing. But in fact, you could say that what the hindrance is, whatever it would be called, whatever details you want to make out about it, what makes it a hindrance is, is that it prevents us from relaxing. Okay, wanting something. It's not relaxing. Putting up with something you don't want to put up with, not relaxing. Having a mind filled with um, uh, questions, being unsure about what to do, etc., not relaxing. Restlessness, for sure, is not relaxing. Worry, having something to think about. Basically, what we could say is having something on your mind means that the mind is carrying that thing around, not relaxing. And so the more we practice correctly, that means then that the first thing that we're going to do is remove the hindrances because that's going to be a whole lot more relaxing. And then when we get into a state of satisfaction for the first jhana, that's also more relaxing than just having the hindrances removed. Okay, that we get into a state of satisfaction. As that satisfaction matures, it goes into what is called uh, in the Pali pity or a wow sensation. Or, gosh, I really, really like this. So it's kind of a high point. But that, too, is not relaxing. And so we go back into the sukha, which is more relaxing. Now, in this regard, what we're actually talking about now is going uh, from the hindrances into the sukha, and then the pity is the first jhana, but we want to really get the pity going which is the second jhana, and then we relax that into the sukha, into the third jhana, and then we relax that into opeka, into the fourth jhana. More and more and more relaxation, okay? So, uh, sort of like chasing a pet or an animal around the yard, and then we put the pet in um, a corral, in, into a fenced area. And now we don't have to chase so hard to catch the pet, right? And then we can put the pet in a stall, and now it's fairly easy to catch. But eventually we're going to put that uh, pet into stone because it's now is not going to move, okay? It's completely, completely solid or it's completely relaxed. There's nothing left. Uh, for relaxation. So the whole system is going into the relaxation and more relaxation and more relaxation. This is, in fact, how important it is. It seems to be built into the suttas, 
fairly well so that that can be understood, but people still miss it. I, I, I can suggest why people miss it or I, why I missed it. Okay. Like I said, I had this wrong idea that if I sit still and even if I'm not actively worrying about something, just the, the effort to try and catch every single distraction and every single sensation um, stopped me from getting to this point. Whereas the bike down the hill analogy is, is a lot closer to what makes sense to me now. Okay. But it, even even with that, there are days where I'm like, nothing's happening. This feels like nothing's happening. And then, you know, that will stay that way. And then the next day I try and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course this works. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go back to the basic practice, because almost the entire practice, as far as time and effort put in, is the removal of the hindrances. That's the really, really big deal. And it is, uh, uh, let us say, it's easy enough for the beginner to begin to see the hindrances and remove them. The problems come is when the hindrances come back. And so here you kind of are on a vigil to make sure that the hindrances don't come back. Not recognizing that, that um, that's kind of an agitating thing. Yeah. Okay, we're like working too hard, a little bit too much effort. I thought it was like you have to hit all the moles. No, no, that's that's not correct. Because yeah, um, once we get into the to the groove, in fact, most of the little thoughts that we're having are now becoming wholesome. So be be easy on yourself. And uh, sort of like just OK. Imagine that you were sitting anywhere in public, perhaps in a bus station or something, and you're sitting there with your eyes closed, relaxed. And then you hear a noise close by, and all you can manage to do is kind of open one eye. Not very much, just enough to see the ground in front of you and recognize that whatever that noise is, it's not right here right now. And then we close the eyes again. Not your okay. Boss. Right. Now, most people, when they hear the noise, they're going to get up and run. That's a whole lot of work. That's a lot of agitation. Right. And so uh, really, it has a whole lot to do with your trust level. Of being able to trust. Now, that trust is also the, the lack of fear. Which is different than being fearless. Fearless is really, really agitating. You got to have fear and then courage on top of that. All right. And that's what we're doing is, is that we're not going from that direction, but rather we're just checking things out just enough to make sure that there's nothing to fear. Now, if we could do that in that uh, analogy that I just gave, you can also do that while you're just sitting in the sense that when the mind gets a bit noisy, you check it to see is this wholesome or not. And then the effort would be to make it wholesome again. But it doesn't take much effort. That's the secret is that the right noble effort is the least amount of effort necessary to actually get the job done. 
is sort of like in a way uh, of a leaf blower that some people know professionally how to use a leaf blower, but most people, when they're using a leaf blower for the first time, they're making more of a mess than they are actually cleaning up because they're blowing it all over the place, right? Too much effort. So if we come back to that one thought, we're sitting there, nothing's happening, and then something happens, you don't have to jump on it like a troop of soldiers. That that's, that's also what you would be by, by, by tapping the brakes. So that eventually in your analogy of riding that bicycle down the hill, it's going to be um, a whippy, a wow experience because you don't have to break because you're not afraid. Now a real bicycle coming down a real hill, that's dangerous. And you have to be careful with that, okay? You have to be mindful. That's uh, a sport, though. And what we're practicing here is to getting ourselves into a place where there really is no danger so that you don't have to tap the brakes. They could just yeah, let it go. This is what the idea of getting to the beach is about in some sense. Mm -hmm. But we also have to steer. Right, and so the steering means that we're going to steer it in a way that keeps going downhill towards the beach and not into that old refrigerator that's sitting beside us uh, or on, on the path, okay? That we're not going to run into stuff. Those are the hindrances, the things that are going to hinder you from getting from the top of the hill down to the beach is one of them is a natural fear. You're going to be tapping the brakes. Another one is that you're not watching where you're going and you wind up running into hindrances. Okay, so if we can find an easy peasy way and one of the ways of doing that, I learned this when I was in high school. I actually had a, a kind of a mentor, though you wouldn't think it was a mentor. He was more like a, uh, uh, a young uh, uh, Hell's Angel kind of guy. Uh, no black jackets and no symbols or anything like that, just attitude, right? And the, what I learned from him, uh, among many other things, was the further down the road you can see, the faster you could go. Now, we're talking about motorcycles here, but it fits in the, uh, in the analogy that you have of going down the hill on your bicycle. The further down the hill, the more clearly you can see that hill, then the knowledge of that gains you the confidence that you can miss that old refrigerator down there because you can see it way ahead. It's not that it, all of a sudden it shows right up in front of you. And so this is a kind of way for the for meditation is to recognize that we can see a little further in advance because we're looking a little further in advance. Uh, keeping our eye down the way a bit and that gives us then the confidence that we can manage this so we're looking for how to build confidence rather than having fear because confidence guess what is relaxing the lack of confidence is not relaxing so i have a question all right on this which is um, the other question that um, 
in some sense doesn't need answered, but when I'm not relaxed, it definitely needs answered, right? When I'm relaxed, okay. of course it doesn't need answered because it's obvious. And when I'm not relaxed, it, 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 it's useful to think about or something, um, which is what is the difference between, or like, how do you tell the difference between relaxing and too little effort? What does too little effort even mean? Okay, too little effort actually yeah. means whether you're relaxed or not, you may not even have your eye on it. You may not even be thinking about relaxation. That in fact, too little effort means that you're going to be running into hindrances one or the other quite easily. That that's, that's what we mean by choiceless awareness is, is that, yeah, you're in hindrances, so what? Get used to it. But that's not what the Buddha teaches. Teaches to get rid of those hindrances, to come out of them. And one of the hindrances then is going to be doubt and uncertainty and unsureness. And so we want to develop to the point that we are actually sure that you are relaxed. I mean, when you are relaxed and really know you're relaxed, then you're confident that you're relaxed. Yeah. Using that as a, as a guide or a memory. So that yeah. you can say, oh, yeah, I know what it is to relax. And then we can work with that directly. OK, then, in fact, uh, within the Anapanasati context of the uh, uh, the Kaya Nupasana, the four four steps is really indicative of everything. But we're talking about specifically the body is that we start paying attention to the breathing. And through paying attention to the breathing, we begin also to pay attention to the body. And in that regard of paying attention to the body, we begin to see or experience or have knowledge of anxieties, tensions in the body, uh, that these things store. Then, in fact, this is part of what they mean in the suttas as the Kaya Nupasana Sankara. But there have been major, major psychologist teachers. In fact, one of the teachers that I'm thinking of was Alexander Lowen, who was, uh, uh, he was actually a student of Reich, Wilhelm Reich. And Wilhelm Reich was going off in that direction. He got a little loony with his uh, organ boxes. But the point that he was going for was is that the body stores old pains, the body stores old injuries and all kinds of things like that, both emotionally and physically. So that someone who then will have a, an anal personality will have a big barrel chest. Women who um, are, let us say, sexually repressed will actually not stand up properly, but their buttocks will be to the back and the front groin area will be tucked in. And they go around living their lives like that. You can see women's posture. That also gives rise to what is called an A-frame hug. Do you know what I mean by an A-frame hug? People yeah. will touch the shoulders, but a real body hug is where all the body comes together from both people. That's a that's a body hug, and most people do an A-frame hug. They'll, they'll, they'll touch each other at about the shoulder level, but it doesn't go further than that. <laughs> okay, so uh, if we understand it from 
the body's perspective that we get in touch with the body. We find out where the tensions are in the body with the understanding that by seeing these tensions, we can let them go. We can let them go through physical massage. For instance, if I've got tightness in my shoulder and, and my neck and I can feel it, I can go ahead and give myself a little massage. I know Gawanka's students won't like you doing that, but uh, it's better to be relaxed. There's no there's no good reason not to. I've just like accepted that if I'm sitting and I need like if I'm thinking about moving my leg, I might as well just move it most of the time. The fact that I'm thinking about it is like, well, I could sit this out, but like I could just move. And I have a, a question. I have a question about um, the. This is my experience. Like when I am I'm doing the meditation, I see all kinds of tensions everywhere. So. Feels like of what? Tensions, 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 tensions in the body. Yes. So feels like if I go one by one, relaxing, 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 it's like a never-ending process. I don't know if that's his. He's a hindrance. The only ending I know of is death, and you're not dead yet. <laughs> yeah, yes. I know. But is 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 it okay? Is it okay? Like just relaxing like voluntarily relaxing everything one by one as a meditation or just okay see them okay i'm tense but i'm fine i don't know do you understand my question i do i understand it thank the you the question is is can you understand my answer all right <laughs> all right okay all right that uh there the the tensions in the body if you are not aware of them and you leave them, they will either remain and keep coming back up on a regular basis or uh, you'll get worse and worse until you've got your body all stove up with tension. OK, but now that you're aware of it, now that you're actually looking for it, you can enjoy relaxing that which you found the tension in. Oh, I'm glad I saw that tension. Okay. Okay. But what you're saying that you're doing instead is, is that, oh, there's just one more tension. Gosh, there's just so many of them. And, and by having those kind of thoughts, you're off into the future, back in the past. Oh, I used to have all of these tensions and now I'm getting rid of this tension and there's sure to be more tensions to come. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Poor me. I'll never get rid of all of these tensions. Okay. You can hear that all of those words in there are hindrances. Instead, you can say, aha, uh -huh, I caught this tension. My, what a good boy am I. <laughs> That's the way to do it, is to catch this tension in the body or this tension in the feelings, or this tension in the mind, whatever it is, the hindrance, whatever it is, be happy that you can see it. Because if you can't see it, you can't do anything about it. But now that you see it, you've got a choice. And if your choice is, oh, this is just another tension, there's too many of them, 
then you're back into hindrances. Your, your, your dog is having hindrances now. The dog. There are hindrances now. Okay, that's enough, guys. All right, so um, be happy that you can see these tensions so that you can relax them right now. Never mind about what the tensions come tomorrow. Whatever tensions come tomorrow, they won't be as quite as bad as they used to be when you weren't watching. But you don't know that because back then you weren't watching. But as you're watching now, you can see that, yes, you can handle this. Doesn't matter how bad the tensions are, you can handle it. How do you handle it? Is by recognizing, yeah, that's tension. Let me do something about it to eliminate it as best we can right now. Moving our legs, rubbing our neck, taking a deep breath. All of those things is going to help relaxation. Now, if we can work that with the body so that we can get the body relaxed, then guess what? We've made an enormous progress. Why? Because if you can relax the body, the only way that you can relax the body is by the mind guiding the body into that relaxation. So you're actually training not the body, you're training the mind to relax the body. And so thinking about relaxing the body is the right way to go. It's just so thinking just, about it. Yes, so true. Just to me that someone who has a lot of tension in their body, you know, either through habit or some bad circumstances or whatever, that actually, while they're learning, getting a regular massage would actually be quite helpful. And then eventually, once they like learn and relax and they as long as they're paying attention, right, because you can sometimes do the thing where you do something over and over again and you get used to it. So it stops working. Mm -hmm. But as long as you're paying the attention and you're practicing outside of the massage as well. That could be like a like that's a perfectly legitimate way to practice, like if you have the money and the time. Getting a regular massage, if you're finding it really difficult to get relax the body, is a good way to at least get on the right track. Mm -hmm. As long as Here's, you don't get used to it, right? That's the main thing. As long as you start re don't relying on it. Well, here's the point about the massage: is when you're getting a massage from an, uh, let us say, a skilled uh, masseuse, then much of what you're doing when you're getting that massage is thinking about the massage the the input of the hands of the masseur is actually going to keep giving you more input that keeps telling you and reminding you you're getting a massage to relax it is quite possible for a businessman to lay down on that massage bench let the massar doing whatever they want to do while he's checking his stock and he's not paying attention to the massage at all. Terrible and in thought. fact, he's really worried because Tesla is going down today. <laughs> all right. 
then he's not going to get so much value out of the massage. But if you are getting the massage and you know that you're getting a massage and you're paying attention to what the masseur is doing, then mentally you're actually helping the masseur to relax that tension wherever it is. That here's a good example of that with the massage is, is that boxers or uh, sports people. And in fact, you could say that the Thai massage that goes so deep to get that deep relaxation in the body was developed along with Muay Thai, the, the, the martial arts sports that they have in Thailand. And that when the boxers get a massage, the masseur knows about uh, the boxers and their bodies and where the tensions and the pains are, and they'll go right there to that and that the boxer has to let go while those thumbs are going deep into that shoulder because then that will do the relaxation. So massages for beginner uh, meditators is probably a really, really good idea. Maybe it would be really good for them to open a massage parlor right next door to the Goenka retreat centers. Honestly, after that some retreats, <laughs> there are some times where after some retreats, I'm like, I I need a massage afterwards. It's just like my posture and my uh, body's all like. Um, I, used, I used to I used to do massage in advance before the retreat because I knew how it was going to end. <laughs> That's right. A lot of people who do retreats, they spend their entire the entire ten days all tensed up. Or intensely trying to practice. Oh, I've got to get something out of this meditation. Oh, I got to work really hard. And they wind up just sitting in tension because they're wanting something out of the retreat. I I remember understanding wrong, uh, wrong, maybe the instructions. Because when I my first retreat, when I saw attention, I was like, okay, this is what it is now. The tension is what it is. I don't touch the tension, and I was wow. That was not not that was not very productive. <laughs> that was not bad. Right. That's because we don't keep track of the actual practice. Is all about relaxation, mm-hmm. and the relaxation of the body is actually a component of the first jhana. Except that it's not always so. But in fact, you could say then that even though the Anapanasati Sutta has the relaxation as part of the body's uh, uh, work, uh, normally the five jhanas or the first jhana only has five factors. But some suttas have it as six factors, and that sixth factor is the relaxation of the body. But I would say then that that's kind of going along with the show. Because if the mind is already relaxed, how can the body be uptight? That if the mind is in fact in a state of satisfaction, then the body will start to relax. And that's just part of the jhana factor, whether we listed it so or not. So we, so that would be a pop quiz on a dhamma test. How many factors are there in the first jhana? The answer to that is five plus one. 
Because why? The first jhana factor is elimination of the hindrances, and that's where most people are stuck. The reason the body has tension is because the mind has tension. And one of the tensions of the mind is worried about, am I doing it right? And the answer to that is, don't worry about whether you're doing it right. Worrying if you're doing it right is absolutely incorrect. Trying to get it right is absolutely incorrect. Relaxing because you've already got it right. That's correct practice. There are some retreat centers which have bathtubs. <laughs> one of the I heard about this and one of the guys was like, you know what? It was so nice. I took a bath twice a day. Back in the old days, there was a thing called Samati tank. They were popular in <laughs> California. Have you guys ever heard of one of these things? They didn't they didn't actually work too well. Here's the thing is, is that you get the bathtub that's got a cover over it so it could be completely dark and they have just enough water in it so that you could float. And there's where the danger lies. That one of the things that they could do to make it float easier with less water is by putting salt in it, salty water. But then that salty water how are you going to lay there without getting salty water in your eyes? It's got some problems, you see. The water itself is actually becomes a distraction. It would have been better in that uh, bathtub situation or that samadhi tank is to take most, if not all, of the water out of it and just let the body relax, say, on a mattress or something. Because we don't want the distraction of, uh, of the water that the Samadhi tank wound up, I, I don't know of anybody's still in business. There was four or five of them, let us say in middle 1970s, there was a bunch of them in California around the uh, uh, San Francisco area. And now I bet there's nobody that's got a Samadhi tank left because they were not effective, that it wound up being a distraction. But they were going in the right direction, at least mentally, in the sense of getting the body as relaxed as we can. Now, this is something very interesting about the Gawanka technique because they don't want anybody to lay down to do meditation. Basically, what will happen is, is that people work really, really hard all morning and then they'll say, well, I'm going to skip this session in the afternoon and not go to sit and I'll lay down in my bed to keep to start to relax. And then they go to sleep and the Gawanka folks say, oh, well, you're not getting any progress. You're not getting anything done while you're taking a nap. The answer to that is I would think that that nap may be pretty wholesome. Because you've been working way too hard. That. Uh, yeah, that's really uh, right. um, to go ahead. To go ahead. Effort. Yes. So you said something about, OK, you know, choiceless awareness where you see a distraction and don't do anything about it. That's too little effort, right? But another form of too little effort um, sometimes is sleeping it, or it's like, do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, sometimes it feels like sleeping too little effort or there are some people who just constantly fall asleep. And for them, you're like, yeah, maybe you should put a little bit of effort into staying awake and um, you know, maybe the relaxing is not the best 
uh, emphasis for you. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that because it's not it's not common, at least in the West, to get students who are too relaxed almost. But I, I have heard it's the case elsewhere. Well, basically, the reason why people get tired is because they're working too hard when they are sitting. That if you were relaxed all morning long, then you could be relaxed in the afternoon without having to take a nap. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about a middle path or someplace in the middle. And in the, that, that middle, between having the hindrances, not paying attention to them, and sitting in the meditation hall, all uptight and all depressed and all the stuff that you're already doing on top of that and you can't leave. And that happens with a lot of students. I would say that it happens to every student at least some of the time. And so we work too hard or we don't work hard enough in the sense of just sitting there waiting for the bell to ring. But generally the mind has got hindrances anyway. So the other side of the practice would be to note those things and to hate yourself for them. To see the tiredness instead of saying, oh, I recognize the tiredness. Oh, I can take care of myself. We say you're not supposed to be tired. And we work on ourselves to work ourselves up to I don't know what. But the question is, can we come now to the point of being both relaxed and alert. Oof. Now dogs can do that. I see them do it a lot. What do I mean by that? You can see that the dog is laying on the ground, but if you look at his ears, he's got one ear cocked. But that's the only thing that he has cocked. It's just one ear, he's listening. And so long as what he hears is pleasant, he's just gonna lay there and half sleep. But if he hears any rustle in the yard, if he hears anything, he's going to be alert. He's going to jump right on it. So be one like day. a dog. One day, Tamarata, one day. Now, this actually, the Buddha talks about doing this in all of the postures, that one posture is not better than the other, but because um, in Asia, over the centuries, people have gotten used to sitting on the floor. You see, in Tainan, the floors are normally cool and people want to sit on the floor. In, uh, in Northern Europe, half two thirds of the year, the floor is too cold to be on. That's why we wear socks and shoes in the house in Norway and we go barefoot in Tainan because the floors are cool and people sit on the floor. In Norway, they sit on furniture and in Western society, we sit on furniture. And so in that regard, sitting on furniture would be more relaxing than sitting on the floor because you've never done it before. But wait a minute, we're doing this Asian thing. We got to do it in the posture that the Asians do it in. You can't get no meditation out of sitting in a chair. But the Buddha didn't talk about it like that. He says, oh, no. You got to do practice in every posture you're in. Rather than having one posture better than the other. 
the thing to do is can you practice being comfortable in the posture that you're in? A good example is standing in line waiting for the Apple store to open or maybe waiting in line to buy bus ticket or maybe waiting in line for uh, getting movie tickets. I mean, Westerners have gotten the habit. They even have special words for it like queue. They queue up. And most of the people who are standing in line, occasionally you'll find a little group of people who are chatting with each other and they're relaxed and they don't care whether the line's moving much or not, but most of the people are fidgeting and wanting that line to move and why do I have to stand here? And you can tell by the way that your body is agitated. So you as a meditator, if you wind up finding yourself in line, can you enjoy being in line? I like that because I, I was like, oh, cool. I can just stand still and relax my shoulders. Yeah, and I can just stand here and relax the shoulders and I don't care whether the line's moving or not, I'm okay. Honestly, I think rolling back my shoulders and like it, it's a practice, right? Because they were so tense habitually that they, they didn't even know how to drop. But now they've got to the stage where I'm like, if I just click them in, you know, not click them. It's just like if I just remember, I can just roll them back and then they drop and it just feels so good. Yeah. So we can practice that any time that we remember. Let us say that we should not have uh, a goal of going into first jhana because we're not ready to do that all the time yet. Instead, the immediate goal would be just to relax. Just to relax. I want to get off this call and meditate. <laughs> yeah, just just relax. That's all we're really doing. And we can go from relaxed state to another relaxed state to another relaxed state, getting more relaxed with each one of them. But if we want to get into relaxed state, that wanting is not relaxing. It's a paradox of the path. It's a real. It is. Anything that you want, you can't have it because you want it. This is, oh gosh. I sometimes use the analogy of the black cat in a completely darkened room. It's completely black in there. And And the room has normal kinds of furniture that a home would have in a normal room. Many, many places for a black cat to hide in the dark. And you walk into that room and you close the door. How are you going to catch that cat? The answer is is, you don't want want to catch catch that cat. I hear somebody's echo. So we don't go chasing the cat around the room because the cat will uh, will run. Anything that you chase. The, the whole point about chasing something is, is that it's running away from you. And so don't chase anything. Just sit and relax. That if you sit and relax on in the middle of the floor in that black room and just relax, not relaxing, hoping the cat comes, but just relaxing. And then the cat will come. But so long as you're thinking about and looking for that cat, that cat's not going to come. That cat's afraid of you. But when you don't want the cat, the cat's going to come. The same is true with relaxation. The same is true 
with the hindrances. In other words, stop trying to get rid of the hindrances and just sit down and relax. And anything that comes up, never mind, I'm too busy relaxing to care about whatever that was. Hey, Tamaratu. In a way, we have to be non-goal oriented, and yet the Western mindset is completely 100% goal oriented, and so we hear about meditation, it becomes a goal. And we're chasing it, and it becomes elusive because we're chasing it. Go ahead. Go ahead, Drew. Paradox, right? Which is like if you, in some sense, if you don't have a goal, then what's the point? Why are you doing it? And if you do have a goal, you're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. That's another paradox. And it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know. I wish I, like, this is the truth, but it's not helpful. Well, it is in the sense that you can recognize that all we have to do is just relax. Yeah. We don't have we to do have anything for it. And we find, well, I'm so glad I don't have to work at being relaxed. Well, I'm glad I don't have to work at being relaxed. You could just relax. It's a strange paradox, though. It's not really paradoxical if you think of it from this way. Imagine that you have been walking, carrying a backpack or luggage or maybe a big box full of rocks. Whatever it is, if you set that box of rocks or that backpack or that suitcase down, just set it down isn't that relaxing enough yeah but if you are continually in the habit of thinking that carrying rocks is how you get happy that is a very difficult thing to convince someone to do it's Mm -hmm. a difficult thing to convince myself to do about 30 percent of the time Mm -hmm. but you can remember You can remember to look at that box of rocks and say, hey, wait a minute, this is a hindrance. I could relax if I'd set this thing down. That that box of rocks is the hindrance to relaxation. um, I I wanted to, uh, there's this uh, meditation teacher and um, he talks about the cat going in your lap. And I wanted to read something that he said. Say again. There's a meditator, and he he uses an analogy similar to the black cat in the dark room. Uh huh. I wanted to read it out because it's just so nice. All right, go ahead. Like, uh, it, it doesn't actually sound all that much like heavy mystical weirdness. It is, but it's heavy mystical weirdness approached in this cat petting way. You just settle the thing down on your lap, and you pat it on the head, and eventually it starts to purr. We're not going to actively catch the cat. It's like, I'm just going to sit here ignoring the mystical weirdness. And eventually, oh no, Mr. Tiddles wants a pat on the head. Oh, there's mystical weirdness on my lap. Pat, pat, pat. Purr, purr, purr. I've hit a great mystery. It is everywhere and nowhere. Look, you can see it. Meow. Versus this approach of going out and eventually catching the great mystery. No, it is not going to be caught. It is eventually going to come and sit on your lap because you show up in the same place at the same time every day and wait for it. That is a comfortable lap. I will come and sit on it. Yes, that's good. It's the same thing that we're talking about is moving from relaxation to relaxation to relaxation. Now, 
there's another way of, of, of talking about it in the sense of satisfaction. Relaxation and relaxation satisfaction are directly satisfaction related. Are directly related. If, if you want you satisfaction, want satisfaction you don't have don't it. Have it. You're dissatisfied. You want satisfaction. So how can we practice satisfaction by wanting satisfaction? No, we have to practice satisfaction by practicing satisfaction. This is good enough. Whatever level of relaxation I have right now, that's good enough. It's in the direction of being satisfied. If we are dissatisfied, we're not practicing being satisfied. Being satisfied. If we if are not relaxed, then we're not practicing relaxation. We're practicing not relaxing, which is what we're really good at. We're already really, really good at being dissatisfied. We're already really, really good at being um, uptight, tense, and not relaxed. So if we can just turn that around and say, oh, there's nothing to it. It really is easy to relax. I mean, every human being knows how to relax. We started doing that when we were first born. We do know how to relax. There's really nothing to it. That's the whole point is, is that we don't have to add anything to be relaxed. We're taking things out so that we can be relaxed. It's just insane that this works. It's almost like sitting on a chair that's got a shoe on it. And you sit down on the shoe and the shoe is not comfortable. And the meditator says, oh, well, I can get used to sitting on this shoe and be comfortable. Well, yeah, you might be if you're an advanced meditator or you've been practicing for a while, but most people don't have the comfort of sitting on a shoe. Let's take the shoe out of the chair, and then when we sit, we could just relax. Nice comfy cushion. Hello. So think of all of those unrelaxing thoughts that we have, those hindrances. It's just a shoe that's in the chair, and we could just take it out. Just take that thought out. We don't need that thought. And now what a relief it is that I don't have to think about it. And I've got a lot of examples. You know, one of them is the argument with Aunt Susie. We had an argument yesterday or maybe this morning with Aunt Susie. And now when we're sitting in meditation, Aunt Susie comes to mind. And we start having an argument with Aunt Susie again. But this time we're going to win. Oh, I've got some dynamite material. I should have said this to her when we were arguing. And now I'm ready for her. But wait a minute, she might say that too. And so I got to go get another defense. And we wind up spending so much time thinking about Aunt Susie and we're not relaxing. We're play we're actually preparing for war. I have this sometimes where I'm cycling, right? And I do something. Um, and I'm worried that the drivers around me will interpret it the wrong way. Whereas for me, it was a like a perfectly sensible thing to do um, so that I'm staying safe on the road. And 
while I'm cycling, I'll have like a thought that, oh, a driver said something, and then I'll start thinking of the response, and then the argument continues, and obviously nothing ever happened, because no driver gets that mad that they're going to start arguing with cyclists. They'd rather just get to where they're going. Especially you don't live in California. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, in Cambridge, they're used to it. Maybe in California, they're not. Right. Well, they get what we're talking about actually is road rage. But let's not take it into that analogy of driving with other uh, uh, people in traffic and recognize that to do the practice correctly, we need to be off the highway. In order to learn to drive a car, it is better to learn to drive the car in a parking lot. Yeah, that's or very in an area where you're safe. You do not want to learn to drive a car on the freeway. That's not very relaxing for your first lesson. <laughs> not relaxing at all. Okay, so let's not practice out in public. Let's not practice when we're around other people. Let's find a way of getting in seclusion, getting off on our own, so that the only real dangers we have are coming from within our own mind, not coming from the other drivers or the other mouth or whatever like that, that we can just experience this moment. Well, in this case, it's just it. fear of road rage from other drivers and the fears from inside me. Yes. Exactly. That's why we want to at least give you the chance of getting away from other people so that you can recognize that whatever fear that are there, this is something that I brought in here with me. There is nothing in this room to be afraid of. The fear is manufactured within the mind and it keeps the body tense and uptight. So you know by relaxing the body and relaxing the mind, go ahead. You have everything has a little made in China sticker on it. <laughs> right? It's like every fear has a made in me sticker on it. Yeah, made in me. Yeah, exactly. That all of the fears come from within. And so we're going to say to ourselves when we see that fear or we see any tensions in the body or whatever, oh, never mind. Never mind. We can relax that too. And we start with that mental state of everything's okay, everything is fine, and things will relax. The body will relax. The cat will come, so That's long as hurt. we don't want the cat. Uh. Just let the mind be comfortable with only wholesome thoughts, like, wow, this is nice. This breath is good. No place to go and nothing to do. I like that one. It's a, a, a Zen. Uh, it's called haiku. Seventeen syllables in the Japanese language. And Busho wrote this one. No place to go and nothing to do. And the spring comes, and the grass grows by itself. And so we could just sit here and relax with nothing to do and no place to go. And eventually the spring will come. And then when the grass grows, that's the grass's business. I don't have to cut the grass because it grows. The grass grows all by itself. And when we let the world be the world as the grass growing all by itself with the very seasonal changes that the world goes through, and we can still be relaxed. Just relax, there's no place to go and there's nothing to do. 
wow, isn't it marvelous? And when we think of something to do, we now have a choice. Am I going to stop being relaxed long enough to go do what I'm thinking of doing? Or can I just relax instead? Because there's some things that we need to do. I mean, sometimes we've got to go to the toilet. Sometimes we've got to go to work. Sometimes we've got to go do this and that. But most people are doing it too much. But they can't let the work be the work when they're doing the work. They take the work into meditation. And so when you're in meditation, be sure that you can put a, a boundary around you. There's a whole lot of stuff I'm not going to be thinking about. Like the job or the work or what happened yesterday or what happened with Aunt Susie in the fight we had this morning. Whatever it is, is almost always past, future, or someplace else. But wholesome thoughts, relaxing thoughts, are going to be the thoughts that we have about what's happening right now. Thoughts about, uh, Asus, the way you're holding your hands. Feel the hands while they're being held like that. Recognize that you're nourishing those hands. One hand is nourishing and protecting the other. And that feels really good just to be relaxed with no place to go and nothing to do. Ah, easy, easy, easy. Why is that so hard? The Western <laughs> mind is just. <laughs> don't know. Yeah, I don't just care. relax, so just relax. it's so easy to do when you recognize that there's no place to go and nothing to do and wow, I feel good. And what a beautiful day it is. We live in paradise. It is really nice. I'm going to if it wasn't so much effort, I might go for a walk. <laughs> well, when you do go for a walk, don't make it an effort for walk. Make it yeah, very no, easy, very slow. Watch where you're going. Don't step in the ditch, but watch where you're going and everything is OK. And one of the ditches, by the way, might be a billboard, especially if the billboard's got a b bikini on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you want that bikini because without the bikini, she's going to get arrested. But you're the one right now who's arrested if you keep your eye all over the place. This is what we mean when the Buddha talks about guide, guiding the eye door. If we guide the eye door so that we're watching where we're walking, then we're not going to get distracted and run into a tree. Or so, step on a nail. So, or okay, step on so, a snake because you're watching where we're going. Go ahead. So, so, I mean, in this situation, I think it's a, it's a pretty good one to kind of like let's go for ice cream because you know it's the, <laughs> but the the same applies right where you know you're walking or cycling along and you see some delicious ice cream and it feels good to look at the ice cream and most people don't realize that it's not relaxing and so in some sense the way to not um sorry the way to stay relaxed is to recognize that looking at the ice cream is not relaxing, right? And then once you recognize that, automatically the mind starts tilting away from it, right? But if you just say, I must not look at the ice cream, I must not look at the delicious thing without realizing the fact that 
it's not relaxing it's not agitating it's not fun it's not like you're not meeting the world as it is mm -hmm. okay well uh i think that when i first heard you talking about ice cream you were talking about riding a bicycle <laughs> while eating or watching ice cream which is pretty no, dangerous no, no. oh yeah, yeah exactly my point exactly my point exactly my point as well right I'm riding my bicycle. I'm having a lovely time. The wind's blowing past me. It's a nice summer day. And then I see someone else's ice cream. And I'm looking at that while I'm riding the bicycle. Ah, and so you run into the next guy who's eating an ice cream. Because you're not watching. You're watching the other guy with the ice cream. Yeah. Right? And even if I'm going on a walk, right? There's just so many. I mean, it's not just the danger of hitting something. It is the act of not being relaxed because you don't want it to and you don't even realize realize that you don't you're not relaxed because you're so engaged in the pleasantness i understand but there's one there's a, something else that we should put in there and that is let's go away from bicycle riding into eating ice cream only so here you are sitting on the couch with a bowl of ice cream and a spoon now, most people, when they're eating the ice cream with the spoon, I'm doing it left-handed, but whatever, is, is that they dig around, they stir it around, they'll take some, they keep playing with it. But the Buddha's way is, is that you take that bowl of ice cream and the spoon, you put a little of the ice cream on the spoon, and then you put it in your mouth, and then you take the spoon and the bowl and you set them down. Yeah. And now you close your eyes with that ice cream in the mouth and really experience the ice cream. Yeah, but you really can't do that in with touch bikini. with it. Roll it around in the mouth. Get the taste of it. Be sure that you're actually paying attention to the ice cream, even as it's trickling down your throat. And if you eat ice cream properly, half the bowl of ice cream that you haven't eaten yet is already melted because it took that long for you to melt the first half, one little bite at a time, enjoying it to its hilt. Yeah, but you so can't do that. When you're enjoying the ice you're cream, enjoy really. the ice cream. The worst thing that you can do is eat an ice cream while you're riding a bicycle. But there's something that you can't do that with, Tamarato, like, you know, the bikini example that you gave earlier. Well, you can guard your senses, though. <laughs> That's what we mean by guarding the eye door, guarding the mind door, guarding the ear door, is, is that we don't put ourselves out in traffic. It's dangerous. The mental that traffic, for, the, right? for the monks, in fact, that's one of the reasons why it is better for the monks to stay in the watt. It, <laughs>
excuse me. Okay. I don't know. Can we hear you? Well, the two dogs, mother and daughter. The mother is getting very elderly. Oh. 11 years old. And her daughter is six and was always an alpha. And sometimes I have to separate them. Regarding the IDOR. Pardon? We're doing Guarding ice cream? The IDOR. Guarding the census, yeah. You're talking that Guarding the monks, the monks would be in the what? Yes, right. We were talking about monks. It's better for the monks to stay in the what? Yes. To stay with the other monks. To not associate with the lay people. Do not go shopping. Do not go to movies. Do not go out. To just stay among your friends. And that way, you don't have to put up with bicycles and ice cream and billboards or any of that kind of stuff. So, um, if you can recognize that, that doesn't mean that you've got to go live in a monastery all the time. But it is pointing at that we need to start watching what we're doing. Be mindful of the places that you go. If you've got to, if you've got to go someplace, only go because you've got a reason to go there. An example would be going shopping that we do it with a hunter's mentality. You know what it is that you're going to buy. You go in, you find what you're looking for and you walk out and you buy it. We do not do, we go hunter, not gatherer. Normally when people go into the store, they go in and they look at stuff, I'll have that, I'll have that, I'll have this, and they start gathering stuff up. Anything that they can find, they'll grab a hold of, it's mine. But a better way to go shopping is to go by the hunter's method. So if the wife gives the husband a list for going shopping, he'll probably go and buy as many items as he can find that's on that list. But if the wife takes that shopping list, she'll probably forget about it before she even gets into the store. And then she'll buy some of the stuff on the list and a whole bunch of other stuff too. If she's in gathering mode. So this is the way that we can also practice on upon a sati is, is that you're going out and grabbing and looking. I want this and I want that and to recognize, no, let's just go hunting. For peace and quiet. And get the peace and quiet and then we got what we were looking for. 
But as far as wanting goes, there's no end to the wanting. Wanting Jana and wanting Arahad and wanting this and wanting that and wanting the other thing. And that's preventing people from actually getting the best benefit out of the Dhamma. The best benefit out of the Dhamma is getting yourself into a state where you've got everything that you want. Isn't that nice? Right now is good enough. And when we get into that state, let's practice keeping that state. And as we practice keeping that state, it actually gets kind of deeper. It's better. Because we're actually practicing now satisfaction. But if we want satisfaction, that's not satisfaction. That's being dissatisfied with what we have and we want something new. So this is the right way to practice, Drew, is to get yourself into this is good enough. And keep thinking about this is good enough and stop thinking about the things that are not good enough right now. And just keep coming back. This is good enough. This is good enough. I thought I got this a couple of years ago. And I think I got it now, but in a couple of years time, I'll be thinking I thought I got it a couple of years ago. Ah, but we don't have to think about that. We can say, I don't know what happened two years ago, but right now is good. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It's just funny. That's all. You think the mind is a very, very powerful tool. Humans are the only ones that have the kind of a human mind that we have, and it is wonderful. But it also has the disadvantage in the sense of when it's not well trained then it's likely to go all over the place, especially into the past or off into the future, making plans or whatnot like that. And that wandering mind is not at rest. It's not peaceful. It's out looking for stuff. It's out hunting. Why it's is, out gathering. Why is peace an acquired taste? Hmm? Is peace an acquired taste? Uh, probably, but it should be very easy to acquire. Yeah. (laughs) Like ice cream. I mean, ice cream is an acquired taste, but it doesn't take long to acquire the taste for ice cream. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, guys, let's go ahead and finish this conversation. Daniel, or David, rather, do you have anything to add? Uh, That's really, uh, yeah, relaxation is really important. It's very important in my practice. And uh, actually, there's an American monk, uh, you probably know, Bhante Vimala Ramsey. He -hmm. talks a lot about this... uh, Whenever the body is, uh, whenever the mind has like hindrance, you can look at the body and you'll see the body is uh, in tension whenever there's a hindrance in the mind. Mm-hmm. And his instruction is to relax, uh, to let go of that hindrance and then relax the body. So then, yep. uh, yeah, so then just come back to relaxation. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. you can see that sequence in the way that I uh, talk. I'm using that sequence. And here's right, the right. way that I would say it would be, wow, I don't have to talk about Rat Susie anymore. <sighs> and so there you go. 
throw mm-hmm. Susie out of the mind and throw her out of the body. <sighs> yeah. I feel like I, I almost got into like a, a jhana state listening to this conversation at some point. Yeah. But Easy so enough. <laughs> Easy enough. So, Amit, do you have anything to say? Uh, it was kind of a wonderful Dhamma talk. And uh, what I learned is uh, you start with the practice of satisfaction. And before I used to think, okay, you have to ask for satisfaction. But now what I understand is you start with the satisfaction. So whatever satisfaction you have, start with that and then you go for a deeper state of satisfaction. Right, exactly. So you naturally have... happen. Mm-hmm. That you can find satisfaction. It's easy enough to find a little bit of satisfaction. You get that and you practice that. This is good enough. This is it. This is good. Ah, oh, relaxation enough. So, Jesus, do you have anything to add? Um, I'm, I'm quite satisfied with the Dhamma talk. Thank you. Just, um, <laughs> you know, there is always, there is always a me. I, 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 I heard these teachings a hundred times and there is always something forgetting and forgetting and then remembering and then forgetting. So this is a, a time I, I remember again. Thanks for the talk. Yes. But how easy it is to forget? How easy it is to forget? It's very easy to forget. <laughs> well, it's not so much that we're forgetting, is is that we keep clouding the mind back with hindrances again. Yeah. The hindrances cloud out these good, valuable, wholesome feelings and and uh, thoughts that we have, and so we have to apply that sati to remember that I can throw that stuff back out. Yeah. So good. I'm hoping that you guys get some good benefit out of this. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. All right. So we'll see you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Uh Uh-huh.